Kia ora, good afternoon. Wallace Chapman here on the panel. Lots uh, of feedback regarding manners and whether or not we do or do not say please, thank you and sorry. More on that later. But first, Auckland Mayor Wayne Brown has agreed to a partial sale of the council's airport shares. Brown is now proposing to sell just over 8% of Auckland airport shares rather than the council's entire 18% shareholding. He's calling for an average rates increase of 7.7% up from 6.6% in his previous proposal. He said this will achieve savings of $28 million next year and would limit uh, rates increases to that 7.7%. Now, India Logan Riley is from the um, Better Budget for Auckland Group. Now, they have put out an alternative budget that was signed off by an independent economic reviewer. And I thought, well, I want to hear more about that this afternoon. So with us is uh, India and Logan Riley. Kia ora, good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Hey. Firstly, so far, uh, from what we know so far, the meeting will still be here going on, won't it? Um, what do you think? A partial sale of the council's airport shares. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting proposal proposal on the table, but also it makes me uncomfortable because I think the original reasons of why we shouldn't sell shares still stand, like the logic is still there that we shouldn't privatise, that we shouldn't sell things that make us revenue and actually enhance our debt-to-asset ratio. So then why would a partial sale even be on the table if we shouldn't be selling things that we get revenue from? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, all right. So um, how does this compare to a budget that you proposed? Yeah, so our approach is basically um, we shouldn't be cutting community services. Auckland Council has already cut a lot of services and this budget that Wayne Brown has proposed is is a budget that takes our services to the bone and we think that's unacceptable. Um, And at the same time, um, we shouldn't sell things that make us money. So what is a balance of rates and of debt and the buying us time to make us to explore other options um, for other revenue streams um, and, and taking a pause on that. So we advocate for a slightly more rates increase as well as um, a, a debt, a taking on debt okay, as well. Okay, so just under the double digits. So mm-hmm. uh, one uh, proposal is to increase borrowing up to $197 million and lift rates to 9.9%. Yeah, that's correct. Which for uh, the average rate payer, so with a CV value of $1.4 million, that's about $3.49 more than what is currently being proposed from Wayne's original budget. Well, Brown's calling for an average rate increase of 7.7%. Yeah, so just 2% more and, and we can not cut services and not sell our assets, which sounds great to me. All right. Okay. Ellie Jones, what are you hearing? Forgive me if I sound a bit um, accusatory, but we had the same sort of thing happen here some years ago when I was around the City Council, and the problem was the alternative budget that was suggested was suggested by uh, an ideologically based group of councillors that had a political um, uh, foot in a camp as well. So, India, let me ask you, are you ideologically opposed to selling assets full stop? Is this something that, that you draw the line in the sand at regardless of what the outcome is? You're the old let's not sell the family silver brigade. Would that be fair? 
I think it's fair to say that um, there are lots of ideological battles that are going on in this budget. You know, we have from Wayne Brown that it's austerity, um, that we should trim everything and um, shift um, the burden from the public onto the individual and, and those costs associated with things like pools and libraries and services like that. For me and for, for the communities that we represent, there are strategic assets that we should keep within Auckland Council and we should keep within the public person in this matter is that these are shares that return revenue and if our concern is about finances then let's not sell that. So you wouldn't even consider JVs or other ways that you could perhaps enhance the value of or the return to uh, a strategic asset like selling down a part of something uh, that would still ensure that you would get income from it and in fact could improve the value of it. You're ideologically opposed to selling any part of anything? I think for us, again, it's, it's about not selling things that make us money, but also these are really, really big decisions. To sell something as major as our Auckland airport shares are the kinds of decisions that shouldn't be made so short-handedly. These are the kind of things that need to be left to the long-term plan, um, ultimately, right. rather than a knee-jerk reaction. Peter. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the thing is with budgets, whether it be a family budget or a corporate budget, you've only got four budget lines. You've got revenue, you've got expenditure, you've got cash flow, and then you've got probably reserves. The challenge that the councils have is they they haven't they haven't got many levers to pull when it comes to those to those four budget lines. So, um, I mean, I th- I think what probably is required is is probably uh, rather than a focus on one one line, which is the shares in the airport, it's a broader focus. And that's the bit that I haven't seen. And maybe it's because of the lack of, of public relations and because Wayne doesn't like media in, in, in his office. But um, that's the bit that as someone who, you know, I'm a governor of, of an organisation, which is just which just has under a billion dollars worth of, 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 you know, of revenue. So it, the, the, there's not many levers you can pull. And I just don't think that the public or the ratepayer has seen all the levers. And right. that's the bit I'm a bit concerned about. The second Second bit I would say is that I think Ngati Fato Orake um, yesterday um, through Ngari Mublia put up a really interesting, um, you know, um, proposal around um, acquiring um, um, strategic assets, uh, particularly the, you know the ports of Auckland. I think I think again, if given a bit more time, that could be probably tactically and strategically looked at by council, um, because you know as is always the case with Manafino assets, they end up being intergenerational and being New Zealand owned. Respond to that. Yeah, I think that is a really good point, though, which is that the conversation has been severely constrained over the last six months, and there could have been a lot better and more open community discussions about what those other levers are. You know, we do have the tourism tax coming in that um, Auckland Council oh, yeah. won in the courts, and so that's another revenue stream. Um, there are other opportunities, and of course, Compared to other countries around the world, compared to international standards, the central government investment and local government in Aotearoa is really low. So I definitely think, and I've heard this from um, local boards as well during this whole budget discussion process, that central government should be stepping up and should be contributing more. Like this is, you know, a quarter of the country's population lives here. That means that there should be a whole lot more um, financial support. Oh, that's interesting. Support. That's interesting. What do you think of that, Ali? A more central government focus, not just perhaps of Tamaki Makoda, but your area as well. Yeah, always. And I'm constantly bringing this up at the community yes. board. I mean, our local schools are putting in, um, you know, psychology uh, support and counselling support when that should be a Ministry of Health and 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 uh, I think a central government, uh, you know, input, not a local government central community board. But what I will say to India is, uh, they're not doing that. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you mm. can wish for it and want it and advocate for it as much as you like, but they're not doing it. And so this council and our council, Auckland and everywhere, has to pull the levers that Peter's mentioned and you can't have your cake and eat it. You cannot keep services at a certain level and keep rates down and not sell some of your assets or, you, or divest part of them. You, you can't, can't have your cake and eat it. You can't have your cake and eat it, but India is suggesting we kind of can with the moderate rates increase. <laughs> yeah, Although I've got to say, as a homeowner, I, I, India, I, I just wince at any rates mm. increase. You understand that? Yeah. I mean, I think the fair point here is, though, is that when we don't collectively pool our resources, that that ends up costing us in any ways. We can't all afford to have a pool in our backyard and a nanny to look after our children and a private library. This is the important thing about rates is that it's for everyone in Tamaki Makoto to have access to a high quality of life. And with some of these cuts, we're looking at the closure of early childhood education centres and pools and community gardens and all of that kind of thing. And that's where we have to say, no, actually, we have to look a better options and ultimately the council and Wayne Brown and over the history over in the past and moving into the future also need to be advocating for Tamaki Makoto to central government. There's a few interesting thoughts in there uh, Peter about the uh, more of a philosophical way forward for this super city that we have. Oh it's all familiar um, familiar to me and you know know, it's old ground but what I would say it reaffirms two things. One it's an underinvestment across the board for local government. Um, Two it it reaffirms that Auckland Tamaki Makoto is not one city right. It's I would probably say it's four metro blocks uh, um, and it probably never has been even with the amalgamation and this is just an example of, of that coming to coming to fruition that we pretty much have uh, four metro cities within the Auckland area. Before you go, India, can I ask you, um, your uh, alternative uh, budget, was it uh, overseen, signed off by an economic reviewer, independent? Yeah, so we have had several economists informing this and and also policy writers and experts. Um, The current modelling was done by economic consultant Terry Boucher. All right, very good. Uh, India Logan-Riley from the Better Budget for Auckland Group. Wallace, could I just say something really, really quickly, just while India's there as well. What's happened in Christchurches, and it's a perverse outcome really, again we're struggling with keeping rates down, and I heard India talk about nannies and swimming pools, and I don't know who she's talking about, because I don't know anyone like that, even in Auckland, and I would suggest it's a reasonably small number. But what's happened down here is that Uh with the increase in rates, we've got some of the poor parts of Christchurch paying more than some of the more affluent areas just because the way the rates are working. So I, I would be very careful suggesting that it's just going to hit those with the expensive houses, if you like. It'd be very interesting to see what it's going to mean for people for properties in lower socioeconomic areas in Auckland. Mm. All right. Okay, very good. India, kia ora. Thank kia ora. you for your time. Uh, and uh, that, um, uh, what do you think of that? That um, alternative budget, lifting rates to 9.9% and borrowing up to $197 million. We've thought there. Anyway, it's 18 past four. The panel are in Z National. Peter Fafu and uh, Ali Jones with me this afternoon. Uh, by the way, big response to Peter Fafu's I've Been Thinking, uh, which was manners making the world go round. I've got to talk about uh, that later on in the panel. Anyway, to this. Victoria University has proposed to cut up to 260 jobs, forecasting a $33 million deficit this year. Otago, Massey, 
also looking at cuts. One of the departments on the review list for cuts is the Religious Studies Programme. It's a small programme of only four staff, but say they're the only programme in Aotearoa that looks at religion and non-religion within New Zealand. Dr. Sarah Ra'amani is a lecturer in religious studies at Victoria University. Wellington, kia ora. Nice to have you here. Kia ora kato katoa. Thank you for having me, um, Wallace. Um, and nice to be on the show. You've been told your department is on the review list for cuts. What else do you know? Well, we've been given a long list of programs that might be facing cuts, but nothing is really clear to us at the moment. We're just waiting for the proposals to come later in the month. What is religious studies? What do you cover in your course? (laughs) That's an excellent question, and I would really like to speak with that, to that question. Um, for various reasons, um, New Zealand doesn't really like or welcome conversations around religion. There's this general sense of disease and anxiety around the topic. And this is odd. It's not healthy. It's not good for the country. And I'd be actually curious to know later on what the panel thinks about this kind of cultural observation. Um, in any case, this trend, this anxiety around religion and conversations on the topic perpetuate some of the misunderstandings and misconceptions around my poor discipline. (laughs) And so I would really do appreciate having this chance to talk about what we do. So first of all, we're not theology, which explores the nature of God and God's relation to the world. Um, What we do instead is look at religion as a construct. We examine the role religion plays in people's lives and in societies. And to do this, we break down this category into concepts like belief, ritual, experience, religious discourse, and so on, and ask, what does this belief in God do for people? Uh, How does it influence our behavior, our culture, our policies, and social life? Got it. Hey, we've talked to other uh, people on the show here that have been really, really affected by these tertiary cuts. Um, how mm-hmm. has it affected you? Um, me, the person? or yes. <laughs> Well, it's quite stressful. Um, I was just speaking to your producer earlier on. I'm right now on my sabbatical in Denmark, um, supposed to be enjoying this moment, do my research, invest my time, in producing some very interesting and important outputs, but I'm constantly thinking about what is it going to happen? Am I going to come back to New Zealand and have a job or not? So it's quite distressful. Okay, let's bring our panel in on this. And uh, (laughs) hey, have you done religious studies? I'd like to hear from you. Here's one. Brad says, I did religious studies at Victoria 2013. Uh, Oh, there you go. uh, Yeah, uh, it's relevant in a interconnected world is Brad's point of view. Do you think it's relevant, Ellie Jones? Have you done any uh, religious studies in your time? No, I wanted to, though. That was going to Did be you? something I was... Yeah, I was going to uh, do it at university. I'm agnostic, so it's certainly not through an interest in, you know, God, and as Sarah has said, that's not what it's about. But I'm fascinated in the in the way that it works in, in communities. You know, it's the opiate of the masses and all that kind of thing. I think what's really sad about this is that there's not a greater understanding that 
these kinds of subjects are so important uh, to making people whole and rounded uh, and, and also the way the brain works. Uh, our daughter was doing German at high school and by the time she got to her final year in high school, there were three in the class and they were getting a class twice a week in the library on printouts. So, you know, I, that's my point. Sorry, I was talking around in circles trying to remember my no. question. Is it not um, being promoted, Sarah? What, is it not well um, studied? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Who does it? How many yeah, do it? So, yeah, so that's a really good question. I, I, I personally think it's quite misunderstood. I feel like sometimes even within the university, people don't understand what is it that we're doing. And mm. the numbers and the students that actually come to our classes, um, most of them don't come in to do religious studies as a major. They, they take it as a elective subject and then they actually you know, then convert to um, to this discipline, they, they change and they end up majoring in it. So people don't understand. And that's why I was pointing earlier on about this kind of general anxiety. We don't talk about religion. We think it's a divisive topic. I don't know um, what else is going well, on. Well, I'd like to but hear from our listeners. it's quite I, I, important. I want to hear from our listeners, uh, uh, Sarah, whether or not they think that um, religious studies as a program is relevant Today, what do you think? Two, one, zero, one. Do you think a religious studies program, tertiary education, is still relevant, Peter? For you? Yeah, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I mean, I'm Catholic, raised Catholic, and I raised my six children Catholic, um, so I have a Christian background. Um, so that's the theological aspect of it. But I think the the disappointing thing about this situation is that over the last decade, our universities um, um, they've been funded by government. You know, um, humanities classes have been fun, underfunded by by, mm. by 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 successive governments. So, in a world where we need more humanity, right, the um, um, governments of the last decade have only funded at half the rate of inflation uh, humanities uh, um, programs, right? And that's where religious uh, um, studies fit in. So, uh, again, it's, it's an irony of the, fun, of the financial model that we have or the funding model we have in New Zealand where we need more people to be more human and interconnected, and yet we, we only fund, uh, um, um, you know, the technical programs and not the, the ones to do with the humanity, particularly mm. as, we, as we face this, the issues and the challenges that we face globally now and the fact that we're all interconnected. Ukraine, you know, whatever okay. happens in Turkey, whatever happens in Hong Kong, we're all interconnected um, and, you know, uh, you know, somehow. And, and we've got to understand why that is. Yeah, uh, here's one here. Carol says, I did papers in religious studies at Vic. It widened my worldview and made me more accepting and more tolerant mm. of people from all backgrounds and faiths. Uh, another one here says, though, hell no. Um, finally, before you uh, before you go, um, Sarah. So, what's next? When do you? Uh, what's on the radar for when you find out? Well, we're just sitting back and actually just hoping that maybe there will be some government funding poured into this sector uh, that might help us. And otherwise, it's everything is really opaque. Um, there's no transparency around how these um, these this kind of uh, numbers that they want to save, the salaries that they want to save, are going to be done. Um, are they going to cut out the right. entire program? Are they going to cut out? Uh, you know, we have no clue. Okay. And it's coming at a really bad timing because we've just seen the insertion of religious diversity into New Zealand 
curriculum. And so it's kind of like really bad timing to see um, such an area uh, go underwater. You've quite a, I'm quite amazed at the response actually. There's a big response to this. Uh, There's clearly an interest. And I teach religious studies at a low decile South Auckland school. It is incredibly important for understanding ethics and values in an ever changing world. Uh, No doubt we'll hear more about this. But for now, Dr. Sarah Rahmani, thank you for your time. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, Sarah is a lecturer in religious studies at Victoria University, Wellington. Now to this, we have uh, Ali Jones, by the way, and Peter Fafu on uh, the panel. National Party leader for Christopher Huck... I'll try that again. National Party leader Christopher Luxon has encouraged more babies in an effort to reverse the nation's declining birth rate. We need people, he said. Here's the deal. New Zealand stopped replacing itself in 2016. I encourage all of you to go out there and have more babies if you wish. That would be helpful. It was in a Q&A session at an infrastructure conference. Nicola Willis said it was a joke around the panel. Does he have a point or is it Christopher Luxon's job to tell you what to do in your bedroom? Ellie Jones. It's a joke. I mean, it's clearly a joke. And I think we're having a good laugh about it because when you said, you know, all of you go out and have babies, I went, no. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a joke. He's making the point that we need more people. Uh, one thing I would say, though, is he's, anyone's got to be very careful talking about increasing our birth rate in New Zealand looking at our health system at the moment. You know, we don't have the midwives. We don't have the nurses. We can't stay in hospital long enough to latch on with the breastfeeding and get that under control. So, you know, it might have been a joke, but I think he's got to be a little careful about what he says. Well, I mean, back to that notion of uh, you're a leader, you clearly know what's going to be picked up and what's not. And there is that background. Some have said of his uh, evangelical Christianity that uh, informs, I guess, or underpins base beliefs. So I'm asking you, Ali, was it a joke? Absolutely a joke. Of course, you. I mean, you you do not stand up and say go out and have babies. And it, it's. I mean, you've got to look at the context. The context was that we need more people in New Zealand. Um, and look, here we are talking about it now, and we're talking about Chris Luxon, and it's helping his profile, and he's a winner. <laughs> okay, Peter, for you. Yeah, I, I prefer to talk, not talk about Chris or his joke. Uh, I prefer to talk about the real <laughs> the real issue, which is uh, population. So most governments have have a population policy, um, or they're thinking about it in in, the, in, in, in their government policy. So, um, and I think that's what the likes of Paul Spoonley have said uh, on numerous occasions. I mean, Dr. Paul Spoonley um, is an expert in this field, right? And so we don't have a population policy, we, um, and that's connected to the workforce policy. It's connected to everything else, and so you can make the connection to infrastructure quite easily. Um, notwithstanding the joke, I think there is a serious issue to be discussed, and that's around what is our what is our what is the right uh, population, and in addition to that, right, what is then. the right workforce. Let me turn it around then. If it wasn't a joke, because New Zealand's birth rate has plummeted over the past decade, but an ageing population where more people are living longer and immigration has kept the population growing. Uh, for now, though, but uh, our birth rate has gone down significantly. More babies, Ali, were born to women aged over 40 last year than women mm. aged 20 and under. So if it wasn't a joke, um, do you agree with Chris Luxon? If it wasn't a joke, do I agree with him? Well, should we be having more babies? Um, 
Oh, I don't look. I think times have changed. I had my first babies in early thirties, late thirties. My mother had me in early twenties, and that's something that I'm seeing amongst my peers as well. And I think women are having them later for a whole lot of reasons. There's the independence, the financial independence, not finding the right person to have the baby with. I think society has changed, and the only time we should be having more babies is when people want to have more babies, and our health system can support that. At the moment, it can't. All right, you're on the panel uh, in dead national. Can I just yeah, add, sure. I mean, and also, but also, New Zealand is, is a multicultural society. So, you know, notwithstanding the joke, he is talking to a certain cohort. I mean, I'm contributing. I have six children. So, um, and that's, you're amazing. Uh, you're amazing. <laughs> so it's uh, you know, so he's t- talking to a certain cohort of, of our New Zealand society, particularly because our, as our society ages, our workforce is browning up, right? Particularly in Auckland. So we have a brown cohort of Maori and Pacific coming through, and particularly with, with also in Auckland with our Asian um, um, our New Zealanders that that that. That conversation around population and and having families and collectivity is a pretty sound uh, conversation to have.